Hello and welcome to Graveyard Dirt, the podcast about anything and everything witchy from a practitioner and non-practitioner point of view. Yep, yep. I'm Zoe, a witch. I'm Andrew. I'm not, but I'm here. <laughs> and this is our podcast. Yeah. At the beginning of every episode, we go over a tarot card in no particular order. Mm-hmm. Andrew gives his initial interpretation of the card. Which is usually spot on. And then I give mine as a tarot reader. Yes. So today's card is the Eight of Swords. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's correct. It depicts a woman standing surrounded by, you guessed eight it, swords. eight swords, blindfolded and bonded. Bound. Bound. Binded. Binded. Bound. Bound. <laughs> yes. Blindfolded, bound, and she's got five swords on her left side, my right, and three on her right, my left. She's also got a red gown, and she's standing on looks what looks like the earth, or like an area of the earth. That's a pool of water. That's a pool of water, feet. and there's a castle in the background. We've seen that castle before. It's up on the ledge. This is interesting. If I were her, I would not feel good about this situation. Uh, it seems like it's not good. Um, I would call that area like a moor, I think. I think that would be that. Yeah. I don't, if I pulled this card in a reading, I would think that's not good. What's not good? The situation in general. It's just not a, a great place to be. You're like so far removed from everything and you're surrounded by swords and you really got nothing going on. You're bound and blindfolded. So you guys kind of, I guess, have to accept, accept your fate type thing. Yeah. And if I pull this in reverse, I would, I would think the opposite of that. <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> Okay. As a tarot card reader, what do you think? <laughs> So the Eight of Swords is actually pretty interesting. Um, yes, she's blindfolded and bound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both of those. Surrounded by the swords. Yeah. So seemingly, she's trapped. Seemingly, you say. Yes. But when you actually look at her, she could honestly probably just take the blindfold off. And she's not actually surrounded by them. They're like encompassing either side of her, but just go forward. Yeah. Walk forward away from civilization like to your your eventual death yeah okay it's like kind of choosing which one you'd rather would you rather kind of like last week the water pool at her feet connected to intuition because water emotions the elements the element of water so it indicates like knowing something that you're not physically seeing uh and in this case in an upright position and being not trusting yourself in a sense Hmm, that's not what I was thinking. Is there a reason that there's three swords on one side and five on the other? Is there a significance to that? Why they didn't do just like four and four? Maybe. Maybe. Probably. <laughs> Someone thought about this. But this card isn't on, it's all your fault because you're just not like taking the time to walk forward kind of a card. It's the legitimate feeling of being trapped by your anxiety or your fears or Feeling like that you can't connect in some way. Mm. So those binds are still very much real. It's an indication that you could clear your mind and over and overcome those obstacles in some way. Mm, kind of like a, yeah, it's kind of like 
a forced moving forward type situation. So it doesn't always indicate like stagnation or being like caught. Something that I really like to connect this card to is purposefully kind of putting that blindfold on and like closing yourself off because I see the swords a lot of the times as like all the outside opinion and outside thoughts and just kind of like no longer trusting yourself, no longer trusting that flow of intuition. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you just need to like put your headphones on, turn up the music and just like make the decision on your own. Sure. I get that. In reverse, you see those things fall away. You see the blindfold fall away. You see the bonds fall away. You see the swords fall away. So that is stepping out of that anxiety or feeling of being trapped and making those decisions and making those connections that you were once doubting. Are you ready for the main part of our episode? What's that? We're going to be talking about building an altar today. (gasps) Nice. Like an emotional altar? You mean like an altar, like an alter ego? Is that what you're trying to make a funny about? No, I'm just asking. (laughs) I mean like... Like physically building an altar or like doing up your altar? Both. Okay, interesting. I think. I don't know if I'm understanding exactly what you're asking. I guess we'll figure it out together. Yes. So we've talked a lot about different aspects of a practice. And this is kind of like stepping back. This would probably be one of the first things that you do. Yeah. And an altar is like your home base. In witchcraft, it's a sacred space. Yes. And before we go any further, I would like to preface that we're only going to talk about one of the altars in our house. Yes. When you reference things. Right. Because I only publicly share one of the altars. Right. That is the one in the dining room. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's the one I'm aware of. The other ones do exist, but we're not going to talk about them. I didn't know there were other ones. Okay. Sure. Exciting. (laughs) Look at that. There's sneaky stealth altars just placed precariously around the house (laughs) so that when you're just really feeling that you need to get altered, then you just like stow away to them. You do your witchy thing. And then it's like, boom, done. Sure. So that's actually kind of brings us to a good, the next good point, the different types of altars that there are. So you have something called a working altar. Yes. This is where you do your spell work. You might do studying meditation. It is like, an office desk in a sense, but it is your altar. So is our unsneaky altar the working altar? The one in the dining room is a working altar. Is a working altar? Yes. Not your working altar. It is my working altar. That's interesting. <laughs> okay. I'm learning so much. Um and I think we're gonna I'm gonna kind of skip ahead to ancestor altars just because my working altar doubles as an ancestor altar. Ah uh, yes. So my next point being is that you don't have to have an individual altar for each little piece of your practice. They can be combined. Sure. And in this sense, it made sense to have my ancestors present for where I'm doing my work. Right. Because they're connected. Like in Mulan. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, another type of altar is called a living altar, which is really cool. And those ones are usually made out in nature. Uh, it's Typically like a garden, in a sense, because it is actually living. We have a garden. We do have a garden. (laughs) You're making eyebrows. 
Is that one? What was our original conversation? We don't have more than one. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, a living altar is usually purposely planted. It could be trees. It could be flowers. It could be herbs. Um, But they are living things. And Mm -hmm. part of the practice is keeping those things alive and tending to them. Um, And that is part of the magic. You should bonsai the rosemary into like like an actual like living like stable altar where you could do stuff on top of it i hacked the rosemary away did you yeah that thing is gnarly i'm sure it's still there and it looks untouched you try to pull my rosemary all the time swat those hands away it's huge it's larger than our children leave it alone it's an evergreen yeah we should put christmas decorations on Somebody could do that. (laughs) Okay, moving forward. We have a deity altar. No, we don't. (laughs) There is a thing called a deity altar. Yes. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You broke your rule. No, I didn't. You broke it by correcting me. (laughs) Okay. Anyways, there is such thing as a deity altar. Yes. I'm trying to make it more conversational. Okay. So a deity altar is going to be a space where you are laying offerings. You could also still be doing your spell work there, but it is your sacred space sacred space to connect to a deity or multiple deities, whoever you are incorporating in your practice. Hmm. Like we mentioned, an ancestor altar. And then another really great one to mention is a mind altar. See, that's what I was talking about, like an emotional altar. So a mind altar, there is a book that I've heard great things about, but I have not personally read. Um, And it's called Altar Within by Juliet Diaz. So put that on my TBR if you need to buy me a a Samhain present, Andrew. It's Amazon Prime Day. (laughs) Anyways, um, and a mind altar is a place from what I understand, is a place where you can go internally and you can practice. And it's like that meditative state where Mm. if you don't have the ability or the time or even the preference to have a large altar, a physical altar, this is your way to still make that connection. Nice. So in the books that I'm reading, Mm -hmm. the the drow books, Mm -hmm. The War of the Spider Queen, the drow priestesses, they go into what's called reverie. I mean, all drow do that. All elves do that. And it's like a, a meditative state. Instead of sleeping for eight hours, they can go into reverie for four hours and they get fulfilled, right? And they're okay. unfatigued and stuff like that. But the drow priestesses specifically, they go into the reverie to speak to their goddess. So it's probably the same thing. They yeah. go into like this like mind temple of sorts where there's an altar there and they talk yes. to their goddess. But... Goddess isn't answering. That's what makes it difficult. Oh, in your book. Part of the book, yeah. (laughs) Okay. The goddess refuses to answer and doesn't grant them spells. Mm. Yeah, that's what makes it tough for them. Mm. C'est la vie. (laughs) Oh, another really great one to mention is that um, I feel like maybe, I don't know. I've seen it a lot on social media, but um, an altar in a jar, Mm -hmm. which is a really great way to be able to decorate your altar seasonally or have like seasonal aspects to your altar uh without having to go all out or if you don't have the ability to have an altar say you are not out 
as a witch or you just don't have the space. Right. What a cute mason jar altar. What if you took that to the next step and did a terrarium in a jar and then you had a living altar in your jar? There you go. That would be pretty fancy. <laughs> Recommended. Here. You heard it here first. <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> so that brings us to the next step. Does it matter what room your altar is in? Yes. Can you tell me why you think that? Because then that's where you go. Care to elaborate? To do your witchcraft stuff. So, to do your stuff. That's why it would matter. Because if you go to the other room, it's not there. Okay. <laughs> it should probably be somewhere central to the home. Okay. Somewhere that you can really connect with. Okay. Like, yeah, I know, I know. You're getting excited. And because you're Italian, Italian, and that's like... Like, you know, the book that you were reading about the Italian witchcraft and stuff like that, where their altars were always in the kitchen because that's like the heart of their home and the hearth is the heart of the home. So obviously that's where their stuff would be. Yeah. But I'm going to sidetrack you real quick and I'm going to give you a fun fact. Mm, about, that's my job. About hearths of homes. Yes. So actually kitchens and the hearth of the home were considered separate for a really long time because... The hearth was like for warmth. It wasn't actually for cooking. And so, and then the kitchen was for like women for cooking. Mm. Um, and the hearth, you really didn't do a lot of cooking. Uh, if you did do any kind of like hearth cooking, it was usually done by like a baker or a professional and probably not even in your home. Or like perpetual stew. Yes. Like over the hearth that's yes. just cooking forever. Um, but so it took centuries until the two were later combined sure yeah yeah there you go women taking something back for themselves sure yeah uh so yes and no nothing's gonna smite you or negate your magic if you can't have an altar out in the open but also your home and your space hold energy and each room holds energy differently <gasps> so like you were saying you want to find that place in your home that feels like that center a lot mm -hmm. of the time uh, it also depends on the type of altar that you're building. Uh, if you're building an altar that is focusing on connection with spirits, spirits like to be involved. So having your altar in the living space is a really great option. And like you said, Italian folk magic, the kitchen is a common place for your altar as it's where you're making your magic because a lot of their magic was cooking. Yes. Yeah. Remember um, the show Hey Arnold? Yes. Helga? Mm -hmm. She had an altar in her closet, the football head. Yes, she did. That was a deity altar. <laughs> yes, it was. Or just, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, yes. <laughs> but, um, so a lot of times if you read books, they're going to recommend something like the living room or the dining room. I would recommend that. Which, mm, fact. <laughs> Fun fact. I didn't have a word to get us there, but I have another fact for you. So living rooms were once actually called death, death rooms. rooms. Yeah. Yeah. See? Or death parlors. Yeah, the parlor. Um, and it's because that's where the dead were displayed for multiple days. Yes. Uh your dead would die. They would Your dead would die. The dead. Your your live would die. <laughs> your live would die. And you'd sit them there and uh, they'd look like people because you'd sit them up in little poses no. with outfits on. Yes, that's what they did. And they took pictures. You kidding me? That's why when you see old, old timey pictures with families, mm -hmm. that one woman she looks real crisp, mm -hmm. and everyone else is a little bit fuzzy. That's because she's not moving. 
You know why? He's dead. <laughs> okay. Well, in 1910, uh, funeral homes, funeral parlors had mm-hmm. become more of a popular thing. People were not keeping the dead in their house anymore. Mm-hmm. They were going to the funeral homes. They trade them away. And Ladies Home Journal decided that it was going to be a great article and idea to convince everybody to change the room from your death room or your death parlor to living room. Living room. Yeah. That was where you were going to spend time. And yeah. Be... It's called rebranding. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So that brings us to the next step. We have now decided what kind of altar we're going to make. And where. And where. And now we're going to talk about the things that you can find on an altar. Ooh, pictures of dead people. There you go. Yep. Candles. So photos. Um, candles. Yeah, candles. Uh, greenery. Yes, like, like spell components like or like plants or yeah. herbs. Flowers. Like, dead people love flowers. Absolutely. Uh, flowers as an offering or offerings in general. Food. Yep. Money. Yeah. Mm, matches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To so light your candles. I'll give you kind of a, a cheat code in this sense. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, A, B. Um, Start select. Traditionally, pagan, Wiccan, a lot of the times they're going to, when you're reading about creating an altar, they're going to reference incorporating the four elements. I personally feel like a lot of the times it can seem very restricting in the idea of they're like, need to have water and then you need to have fire and you need to have earth and it seems very like one one way to get those things like physical water and physical earth um but emotional water no the idea is that uh, there's a lot of things that you probably already have on your altar that are already connected to those four elements. And so you might have yeah. those four elements on your altar without even realizing Like a it. vase of flowers. Yes, exactly. And a candle. Yes. And air is generally there. Yep. Um, but your air could be your incense is usually what they uh, associate. Mm. Would that count as a candle? It would count as air and fire in a sense. That's smoke. Mm. And then you have to light it. Um, crystals, a cauldron, or a chalice, or a shell could be used. Uh, oh, it's as, to symbolize the collecting of water. Yeah, as well. Tricky. Um, and then you can light things in your cauldron. So there's your fire element. Um, and energy then a, cleansing tools, like um, a taser. No. <laughs> no. What would be an energy cleansing tool? Like Incense, a bell. Selenite bells. Yeah, look at you go. I'm just saying things. Uh, perhaps you have a deity altar, and so you have a statue of your deity. Yep. Or something to symbolize them. Yeah, exactly. Um, like if your deity is Icarus, maybe you have a glob of wax. There you go. And then you obviously have the option of, do you have a very full, I'm going to use the word cluttered, but that makes it sound negative. It's not. Just do you have a full altar or do you have a minimal more bare altar? It, a bare altar. <laughs> oh, um, and then the other really, like, one big staple is an altar cloth. Yes. Uh, it contains mess, obviously. It's decorative. It can be changed seasonally. And you can incorporate colors, etc. There's 
all sorts of different things, but that's kind of your base. Mm-hmm. Um, I do photograph my working altar and share it online. So I have no issue talking about that. My working altar is built on a piece of olive wood from Italy. Mm-hmm. There's my, my earth element. Sure. Look at you go. Uh, ancestrally. So that is why I love that as my base. It's not very easy to clean. <laughs> no. Um, I have to oil it and everything. It's all fancy. But it looks um, nice. But it looks very nice. Looks I like very it. nice. <laughs> so that is what I choose to use as my quote-unquote altar cloth. Mm-hmm. It's a good cloth. Yeah. And then you can take it one step further and you can decorate your altars seasonally. Mm-hmm. Like with pumpkins. Yeah. Or so squash. We have sawing coming up. Um, so you might see black and white candles, black and white altar cloths, um, dirt, graveyard dirt, uh, marigolds, pine cones, skulls, pumpkins. It's kind of like decorating. Yeah, it is decorating. <laughs> um, I wonder yeah. that's why people decorate things or why decorating started. Yeah, I think it's really cool to be able to incorporate parts especially seasonally and with the different um sabbaths incorporate that into your altar especially because sometimes what's happening outside your window isn't a direct reflection of what's happening calendar wise Mm -hmm. if that makes sense um and it's a good way to kind of combine the two of them Nice. Any questions? Nope. Any comments? I know a lot about altars. So if you were going to build an altar, Andrew, what kind of altar would you choose? I pretty much have an altar. It's my computer desk, I think. That's where I do my work. That's where I have my things. That's where I have my clicky-clacky dice that I use for D&D sometimes. Those are like my gems. Um, I've got my earth element in paper. I've got a lighter, which has fire. Right now I have a sparkling water, which is my wet. I always have a cup, so that's always my wet. And then, um, yeah, I think that's my altar. Okay. You answered all my questions. Yeah. And your deity is? D&D. Just, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you. You're a real witch already. Yeah. I don't know if it's a deity. I think it's probably an ancestral altar. Maybe. There's a picture. Oh, nope. Our wedding picture's gone. Now it's just a Necronomicon of Providence poster. Yep. Maybe that's my deity. Mm. I don't think I want him to be my deity. <laughs> that seems creepy. I'll figure it out. There you go. So I hope that this gave you a good starting point to build an altar. You as in the listeners, because... I already have one. You, yep. Yeah. Uh, Clearly. <laughs> um, and explore the different types of altars and where you might decide to have them i think a really important part is to focus and mention that there are witches out there that obviously they don't have the space or they don't have the ability to have an altar or have a space to practice where they feel safe that's why they maintain a mind altar yeah potentially so maintain that mind altar or um your the jar in the jar or just even in general like what if you get one of those fancy fake books yeah, the That'd be cool. books are nice. You can get those at Marshalls for or super even cheap. Or just like the decorations of your space. So I think that's a really great way. 
especially with seasonal altars, is to be able to decorate your home in a way that would reflect the same way you would decorate your altar, in a sense. Uh, it's a little bit more inconspicuous. and Make your whole house your altar. Yeah, that's a little big. So no, want, I'm saying like... It's like creating like... Like, yes, your whole house can be magical, and that is a place that, like, maybe spirits are welcome, maybe, like, that's where you practice, but the altar is that space, that one spot that it's kind of like an entrance hole. Mm, an entrance hole. An entrance and an exit. And Love so it those. gives you some control also in protection of like what comes in and what comes out and what energy you're putting into things and it's a little home base yeah a ping a dot sure like the what google dot uh, i don't know what it is amazon dot yeah yeah like i was that. thinking like the apple like um tag ding thing ding 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 if you say so <laughs> <laughs> all right andrew yeah do you have a fact for us i do okay um so i've been working with this guy and we were talking about some stuff and working on a project together and he informed me that delaware has a new law actually i think it passed last year but the tax is being implemented this year so that's what we were talking about but it is the emergency 988 number, and it's for mental services. Hmm. So you can call that number, and instead of dispatching police, they will dispatch like a caseworker and mental health person, and they'll come and they'll help you. That's super cool. Yeah. I wish that was like advertised better. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but um, they're going to start adding a 60 cent tax on every single phone line. What? Yeah, right? Who would have known? What? Yeah. So now we're going to have to pay 60 cents more per month for our phone lines. Because that funds this extra yeah, line? Yeah, that funds the emergency line. Okay. So all Delaware people have to pay 60 mm -hmm. cents more per, per phone line per month? Yep. Yeah. Which is why we were talking about it, because he works with um, audit. So they're going to have to start auditing um, phone companies to see if they're actually applying that tax. I mean, I'm happy we have this thing. It's great. I mean, if you compare that to like the price of a life, I would yes, I will gladly pay sixty cents. Sixty yeah. cents. Ooh, sixty dollars. Yeah, <laughs> sixty cents. Yes. Yeah, I think it's a great thing. I'm hoping that more states do that because yeah. it is state funded. I mean, Delaware is one of the smallest states, so we are able to do that on a state level, mm -hmm. where some other states may not be able to, mm -hmm. or may not have the legislature prepared to pass that. For the entire state, but maybe on the county level, that could be interesting. Hmm. But yeah, now we have nine one one. We have nine eight eight. Nine eight eight. Yep, all you Delaware people, now you know. Awesome. Yeah, fun fact. Woo! That's yeah. a great fact. Yep, you're welcome. Thank you. All right. Well, next week, I think we're going to tell some spooky stories. Okay. So prepare yourself. I don't think I like that, <laughs> but I'll be here. Yes, you will. Or somewhere. Here. Here. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye. Later, Gator. <laughs> <laughs>